Welcome back, listeners, to another week of If I Only Knew. I'm excited today because my co-host, Matt, and I... G'day, Matt. Hello, Fred. How are you going? I'm going to answer some questions. I'm good, thank you, mate. <laughs> about the sociological and anthropological makeup of current video game communities. And, Matt, I'm, I'm deferring to you here, even though I'm a psychologist, <laughs> because I only really play one kind of online game, mm. and it's a bit of a... Really, it's just a phone-based game that's a bit of fun, but there is a community, and there is a community chat, and mm. and it's a bit of a microcosm of the real world because you get these right-wing nuts on there talking about <laughs> stuff, and then the majority of other people shut them down, and... And if you get really angry, you go and find their um, pixel uh, bases and their pixel ships and you blow them up and you feel really satisfied. <laughs> right, yeah. But I understand that there is a, a social phenomenon around gaming that's different game by game. And, and mm. we talk about games that have sort of entered into the zeitgeist for younger kids like Minecraft and then for teenagers like Fortnite. And I'm mm. just keen to know... Are there gender divisions? Are there age divisions? And, you know, I believe that, you know, as you get a bit older, the gaming community can get a bit rough. Yeah. And, you know, the mean streets sort of thing. So I know you're a gamer from way back. What would you be telling people about these online communities? Mm-hmm. I'm really glad we're talking about this because I think it's something that, like, maybe especially adults have maybe sometimes the wrong impression, but also sometimes exactly right. Because I think this is where a lot of the kind of fear around video games comes from, right? It's like, I don't want my kids on this online community where they're being berated by people or at risk of even, you know, more danger or whatever. Um, And so I think it's important that we talk about this because I really think games are not like monolithic. Like you don't just say video games and say there's one culture or one community. Different games cultivate different communities and different kind of attitudes toward the game. So I think that's what I'm kind of... um, most most interested in talking about today and and you're absolutely right to say that that um, these things are you know differentiated based on gender lines and based on um, even the strict designs within the games and and I think video games have become very conscious of the fact that people are hesitant to uh, engage in toxic communities and so there's been some very interesting um, designs implemented within video games to try and improve the user experience so like some of the maybe uh most obvious places to start is have a bit of a, a bit of a think about the different kinds of video games that attract different kinds of people right so maybe it's like video game genre is the place to start when we think about um, different cultures and and probably the, the clearest division in my mind is between maybe some of the more explicitly violent or, or perhaps male targeted video games and some of the more um, management or life sim life simulator games um, out there like Stardew Valley or Animal Crossing or whatever that would have a much more kind of equal um, gender divide and, and maybe is like explicitly targeted toward having a more perhaps feminine's uh, audience or or even just not being so much about conflict and and um, violence or whatever um those two games animal crossing and stardew valley have multiplayer elements they're largely single player games which i also think contributes to like a more friendly atmosphere but they're definitely um forefront of the gaming community for kindness and friendliness i would i would propose um they're they're chilled out games and you just kind of go in and if you are doing um online activities in them you're you're so much more likely i think to have positive experiences instead of face that kind of more abusive aspect that can come out in some video games 
Can I ask a question about that, Matt? Mm. Is there a competitive content to those games? They're not very competitive, and I do think that's go. a big part of it, yeah. Um, because, I guess that leads in very nicely to one of the key things that does make video games um, maybe a bit more abusive, and that, that probably is the nature of competition. Who are you competing against and how important is that competition, right? Because um, there's some very much some, some leaders in the, in the video game community for... Um, unkind communities right and that's probably in the mainstream at least the um, what we call MOBA games um, they're um, what's a MOBA can you can yeah, you I explain can, that acronym unfortunately the acronym doesn't mean anything in and of itself it's a multiplayer online battle arena is what it calls itself um, the, the, the best way to think of it is 5v5 teams of people uh, versing one another in kind of 40-ish minute games that um, pit one team against the other um, to, to battle it out and de- defeat uh, your opponent by destroying their base kind of thing. Um, now, they, this is a bit of a flagship genre. It's one of the biggest online um, genres and it has two main competitors League of Legends and Defense of the Ancients so those are two key games um, both quite well known for not having the kindest of communities for it so here's, here's what I understand tell me if I'm getting this wrong or oversimplifying mm. um, you know my little character whoever that little character might be um, goes out and you know puts on his sword and shield and goes to do some damage Somebody does some damage to me, and instead of going, oh, it's a game, um, instead they might make a, an unsolicited, unwarranted uh, review of my personality online. Is that uh, the way it might work? That sounds exactly right, and it gets even further complicated, because maybe if someone does damage to me, and I'm upset about that, um, I might go into the global chat that lets me talk to my opponents and call them some racial slur, um, but... Maybe it gets worse even when the person on my own team does something that I think lets me down. And so instead of going to the global chat and talking to my opponents, I'll go into the local chat and talk to my teammates and type out saying, oh, I hate you, why are you so bad at this game, blah, 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 a whole bunch of abusive content. Oh, um, uh, but are these people you know, are these friends or are they... So most of the time they won't be. So you do just, oh, okay. you just queue up, um, so you just join the queue with oh, so random people. it's a competitive people. environment of random. With anonymous people, right, which is really important because this is where we get such such toxic cultures, I think, because you don't actually know anyone and there's no accountability. There's no repeated interactions with people. Um, you just queue up, you play on a team of four other random people against a team of five random people. Now, I play these games, League of Legends especially, uh, with my mates and, and that was a very early uh, choice is that I will only ever queue up with uh, my friends because that way... You know, if I make a mistake, they're going to be a bit friendly. And um, if they make a mistake, I don't feel upset about it because they're my friends. You know, we're all just here for a good time. Um, but if you're just playing with random people, it can be really hard to keep that kind of friendliness going. Do you think that the anonymity contributes to people sort of dropping social norms? Absolutely. I definitely think it's the fact you're but I also think it's the fact that there's there's such little accountability, um, like the fact that you don't have repeat interactions, the fact that there's nothing, no, no importance to having a decent rapport or relationship with your, with your peers. Um, but interestingly, I think, like, when we say accountability, I think there's a, there's a, sentiment that video games should be like punishing bad behavior more or whatever right that we should have better administration better moderation um and i definitely think there's a place for that but i also don't think that 
people really um, care too much about that when they're being like abusive in video games um, because a lot of these games do have moderation and people do get banned or whatever but they just make another account or they just don't really care because they're, they're out here to be kind of aggressive rather than to be friendly um, so to me it's it's less about the institutional framework of, of um, moderation and more about how do we get people accountable like to one another as players in in this sense um so i'm keen to understand um the idea of a community sanctioning a player for bad mm, behavior mm. so it's not uncommon in some games to see you know that global chat blow up against someone that says something that's not socially acceptable yeah do you think that fuels the fire for the people that come into the game angry or do you think that that there is a capacity to make change in these environments based on the weight of group opinion if you like i think it's a great question fred because i think it gets to some of the um nuance within this discussion and this might be a tiny bit hard to engage with for people who haven't played a variety of different games um but one of the special things about these MOBA games that I've just been talking about is that you play 40 minutes worth of a game and then you jump out of that game and you queue back up again, you, you join the queue again to play another 40-minute game, which means it's quite hard to have any kind of personal interaction with uh, the people that you're playing with. In contrast, there's a lot of other online games like the... Um, online role-playing games where maybe you'll jump in and you'll have one character that you take from level one up to level 80 and it takes 50 hours to do on the same map in the same online world where you do develop a relationship with the people on that world and i think in those games quite these are quite explicitly social games that's kind of what a lot of people play them for and the classic is world of warcraft which perhaps many of our listeners would have heard of before um i think in those games you absolutely do get effective social sanctioning in that way because you come to know the people that you don't want to have in your guild right you come to know the people that you don't want to go on a raid with you you don't want to like play with tonight sort of thing and i suspect that that sentiment then gets shared because you don't want um if you're joining a guild, you'll go talk to the person who's leading the guild and say, oh, actually, I had this really bad experience with this other person. If you want to keep your guild kind of free of that kind of thing, just don't let them in. And then maybe what ends up happening is all these people that have been sanctioned form their own guild or whatever, but then they're kind of siloed off into a corner of the of the video game or whatever. And so I think that the the key for me in this idea of can we like have social sanctioning is the is the ability to have repeated interactions with with the players that you're working with Um, and it's one of the things that i do think makes these moba games league of legends and dota very difficult to have a good community because you never get you you never have to see the person that you've just abused again right so there's never any consequences uh for the fact that you've probably upset someone it's interesting to me that you talk about that because i do play from time to time i might play um, games online against real people and the two that I'll play, they're old man games but mm. I'll play some Texas Hold'em and I might play some Rummy card <laughs> Right, card games, yeah, yeah, yeah Very easy apps, not too complex One of the things I've noticed about those those apps though is there is no capacity for free text Yes You have a limit to the <laughs> sort of comments that you can make and those comments are essentially um, uh 
an automated set of comments that you can make yeah. uh, in the game and you can pick them. You Basically, they're a drop-down menu of comments and there is nothing negative. Yeah. And I suspect that's because uh, particularly the card games, although I don't play for money, people do and can play those games for, for real live money. And the, the intensity of a normal card game um, uh, with real life people in, in real life is is pretty out there. So yeah. if you were playing for real money online against strangers and somebody took a, a wad of cash off you, I think the, the normative reaction for some people might be to go absolutely go bananas, yeah. um, lose their temper and act a, a fool. Do you think that those MOBA games that you've talked about would adopt something like that or do you think it would take away from the game if there wasn't this free text component to chat yeah the the game design behind how do we let players communicate is probably the thing that i find most interesting about how video game communities are created and and um, challenged um, it was super interesting very recently because i play league of legends mostly and they recently um, proposed that they would remove the global chat that let you talk to your opponents. So the idea being, well, we need to let people talk to their teammates because maybe they want to strategize or whatever. But most of the time, global chat with your opponents isn't all that constructive, so let's remove it. Um, But global chat was already something that players had to choose to opt into. So it's not something that's by default, but you you click a button saying, I want to engage in global chat. Um, and, And in my opinion... That's a perfectly fine thing to allow people to do. Even if it gets a little bit heated at times, I think if you're letting people opt into this um, global chat, then I think it's something that should be kept. And in the end, the designers of League of Legends backed away from their decision to remove global chat because it was received very negatively by its player base. Um, There are levels to this, though, Fred. So League of Legends, I think, sits in the middle of the kind of negative culture of things. The the pinnacle of uh, aggressive culture in online video games, I think, is Dota. Um, Dota stands for Defense of the Ancients. Again, it's a completely um, meaningless name or acronym, but it's it's basically the same style of game as League of Legends with a key design difference that you can use voice chat with random people on your team, right? So you can whip out your microphone and you can just talk to these random people on your team. Now, obviously, there's great potential to have, you know, good strategizing, real-time conversations, getting things going, maybe even make some friends, right? There's also great potential for people to be talking to one another in the most horrible way. Um, And it also doesn't leave the same kind of permanent record. If someone types out like a deeply offensive racial slur or something, not only have they had to take the time to type it on their keyboard, but it's recorded in the game's chat log. um, And it's a very easy way to get someone reported and banned. Not that that necessarily affects their behavior, but I do think that it makes it easier to moderate. Um, I don't know how that works for a voice chat in Dota. Um, And so I do think that... um, the, the decision whether we whether we remove free text, whether we remove voice chat, um, whether we let people talk to only their teammates or talk to only their opponents is a really important one. Um, there's a, another game called Rocket League that's very popular that has also chosen that um, kind of drop-down pre-recorded or predetermined yeah. response that you can use to talk to people. And it also, however, has an opt-in to free chat. And so I'm kind of a fan of this thing where if you 
want to opt into more free-flowing conversation you can choose to but if you're not really there for that then you don't have to engage with it for me that gives some freedom i have a question about that though Matt. Mm. so setting aside the fact that the behavior can be really appalling if it is an opt-in function wouldn't that mean that there should be little to no moderation if the players have the capacity to consent to be in a toxic environment like that, I'm not at all suggesting it's a healthy thing Mm. uh, and I would never do it and I'd never advocate for someone to do it. I think you're just setting yourself up to um, have all sorts of uh, problems. But there is an argument that says why police um, someone's uh, choice when that choice has been made with um, all of the relevant information at hand And I I have a follow-up question from that because I believe that there would be some people that would specifically um, play the game because they could vent like that uh, in a way that they would never do in the real world. Yeah, yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? Should there be moderation if it's an opt-in option? Mm -hmm. Look, I think it's a very good question and and there's a big part of me that said, you know, if if people um, are opting in, then they're kind of, you know, able to accept those consequences but i think maybe that moderation comes from the recognition that opting into this group social environment is a big part of what makes a lot of these games quite enjoyable and quite engaging and so if we can have like a degree of moderation for these um for these chat spaces um without being too um without putting too much onus on the developers um and that makes like a, a significant difference to the quality of those social spaces. I think that's still a good thing. Um, I think that for League of Legends, it's, it's an interesting one because the only, you're only opting into global chat, right? So you still need moderation so that people can moderate their team-based chat because that still gets bad. Um, so that's a situation which moderation is necessary nonetheless. Rocket League um, is maybe a bit more of a thing that doesn't need to be moderated. Um, and and I, I suspect it doesn't get as moderated, right? Um, but I think there's some really simple things, especially in text chat, that you can set up that should be moderated, like a, a whole set of like inappropriate racial or you know sexually explicit slurs or whatever that does get flagged. I think that's like easy to do um, to manage these social spaces. I think it's necessary because we should recognise that people have a degree a small degree of coercion to opt into these things because they don't want to be missing out they don't want to um like be the only one not in the text chat or the only one not participating in the in the socializing of these games and and socializing is an important part of their social games right um and so i think if we can make a somewhat curated space while recognize that people have also accepted that they're going to be a part of that space freely to some extent or another um then to me that's the optimal situation do you think that the gender bias so if i was to look at these games that you've talked about Mm. would it be proliferated by you know angry young men or are we talking about a, a fairly good representation of society just not necessarily you know particularly pleasant representation of society i guess i don't know another way of saying it but no no it's definitely young men um, for sure. <laughs> and um, 
you know, it's it's you know, that's a blanket statement. Not every single person who perpetuates an abusive culture is an angry young man, but it's definitely a big part of what um, creates these uh, communities and cultures of um, more aggressive uh, online behaviour. And one of the things that differentiates um, other games that are have a less you know strong male uh, participation. Um, I think as well, you know, a big part of this culture is itself exclusionary toward women and non-men in these spaces, right? Um, like, it's it's a big deal for people um, playing Dota, like women playing Dota. They are on these voice chats and then you hear that this person is a woman and then that can be a really difficult situation for them playing because uh, suddenly all the people in the voice chat are having a go at them or being abusive to them or saying sexist or inappropriate things or whatever. Um, And that becomes a really unpleasant place to spend time in. Um, And so not only do I think that the culture itself is perpetuated by that kind of male-dominant demographic, I also think that it is perpetuated explicitly against like women and, and other genders. So I know from reviewing Animal Crossing... Uh, because uh, there's some people fairly close to me that play it, mm. that there's not a lot of capacity for free chat. Mm. Um, and it's it's well curated to keep kids safe, mm. as is um, there's a couple of games out there at the moment. Roblox is one, mm. and Minecraft is another. Roblox is, is almost a, sort of an open source platform where you can build a game to monetize it and... Um, there's a very real community around that, but it's actually quite scary because they're little kids, but it is, uh, I've noticed and um, worked pretty hard with uh, my daughter to recognise um, unsafe interactions. Yeah. So you can't really talk to somebody unless you accept them as a friend. So we agree that we don't accept people as friends unless they're people we know in real life, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Um, and then often because they're little kids, if somebody does something a little bit shitty, they'll run to you and go, this person's been mean to me in the game. <laughs> um, and it's it's interesting because one of the things about that gaming community and the games that kids, particularly young girls, I've noticed my daughter gravitate towards are about fashion. Right. And about rating other players' fashion choices. Ah. So it's this microcosm of... Um, you know, there's a degree of toxicity already built into the game. Mm. Somebody prepares a, an outfit and you've got to um, then score that out of five stars. Right. And the winner gets a bit of a prize. And if you get enough prizes, you get a special, you know, piece of clothing or something. It's very offended when my uh, underwater fairy outfit uh, <laughs> only got one star, Matt. And, uh, Maybe a bit of bias in there, do you think, Fred? I, I look. I think I was set upon by some hateful uh, eight-year-olds or something. But it is a it is a real issue in that we're we're replicating some of the stuff we don't like in the real world on games. And I wonder if uh, more toxic gaming communities are replicating the sort of aggression that you might have once seen with young men sort of testing themselves around the place, mm. you know, hanging out a car window and mouthing off to a girl or, or those sorts of things. Um, rather than, you know, I think it's the same behaviour that was antisocial, but perhaps in a new format mm, or a new forum, more to be more to be precise. Is that is that you know being too 
um, pessimistic about these online communities? Well, I think it's a really interesting idea. Too pessimistic? I don't know about that. Um, I think that it, it speaks to me to the fact that it feels like we've created... Um, some games where this happens more than others right like it feels like people are attracted to some spaces where this happens but not all of them which makes me kind of think maybe there are places that people have decided this is where i'm going to test myself or push the boundaries or whatever um the notion of competition you mentioned at the start as differentiating some games uh some more aggressive games from something like animal crossing or whatever um and i think that that's a big part of what makes these moba games particularly toxic because people will sign up to a ranked league or a ranked game and then they will be deeply upset if it's somebody or they think it's somebody's fault that they lose the game or whatever and so i think there is definitely this kind of masculine sense of testing oneself to reach the highest rank that you can get in this very competitive environment and being aggressive and and um trying to push the boundaries or whatever in that space i think that's fair enough yeah have you ever left or stopped playing a game because of the community oh absolutely like i do not play these moba games very much at all for a very very clear and present reason that's because i don't enjoy playing them by myself and so i'll only jump on if there's like three or four of my friends that means we can kind of control our team so if there's like if i'm playing with three other people I know will have one random person on the team. And one random person is like a low chance to get someone who's, you know, a bastard. Um, and it also means that if they are acting inappropriately, I've got three other people that I can talk to about it and that we can maybe tell them to shut up or whatever. Um, so that's kind of the, the deal I made with myself. Funnily enough, the only time I've gone back to playing solo in League of Legends is at the very beginning of the pandemic, Fred. And it was when I was locked inside and I couldn't play basketball and I was deeply desperate for any form of competition and so not only did i go back to playing league of legends by myself but i played league of legends ranked and i've never played ranked um by myself since i first started playing league because it's not pleasant because the the caliber of people that you encounter are horrible and toxic but i just had to have some competition in my life and so i went back to league of legends ranked and it was a really interesting phenomenon that i reflected back on and i'm like man i put up with a lot of toxicity because i just really needed some competition um and and that's that the only time that i've gone and actually played it um by myself properly so absolutely the culture influences my decision to play these games that's fascinating isn't it that mm. you'd you'd rather cop the abuse than than sit in uh sit in silence i guess yeah exactly mate if you were looking at um somebody entering the gaming world mm. given that there are um idiosyncrasies to each of these very popular games and one of the things you pointed out is that doesn't matter who in the human condition jumps into these games the one commonality is that no one wants to miss out right mm, mm. what advice would you give to somebody that was starting out in these games and in terms of protecting themselves from the less desirable elements of it mm, mm. psychologically for sure for sure look the, the the least useful advice i could give but probably the most important is playing with other people who you know is the best way to do social video gaming in my opinion if you've got a community of friends that you can play games with um not only does it insulate you against the randomness and anonymity of the internet but you can also share expertise about different cultures and and styles of game out there um it's really hard to say oh 
this game is more toxic than that game or you should play this game if you want this level of toxicity or whatever that's a very difficult thing to do and it kind of only comes about through like organic experience and conversation and so if you can share that with a group of other people that you know who play games that's a really effective way to enter into this space however i recognize that's a luxury that not many gamers have often um and so something else that i think is worth keeping in mind is the opportunity to like test the waters to to try out a few different games or whatever um i really like youtube for this i really like youtube for trying to find a couple of content creators who make me laugh or whatever and then kind of following along the games that they play on their youtube channel um so video gaming is a really interesting phenomena because there's a lot of like peripheral content created about it specifically on youtube but you know um game journalism or whatever as well um and so if you are interested in playing a game or something maybe consider youtubing at first and trying to see if there's any content creators that you that, that play it that you enjoy listening to. Maybe watch a couple of hours of YouTube and hopefully that's not a chore, right? Like hopefully you're doing something you enjoy by watching their content. Um, and if you still like the game after you've watched them play it for a bit and you think that they're you know showing a good side of it or whatever, maybe that indicates it's a good game for you. But maybe their videos reveal that a whole bunch of people are toxic in it or even maybe their commentary of the videos talks about oh this was an unusually fun game or whatever nobody slandered me um Mm. that might be an indicator that maybe it's not the safest game for you um i think the final consideration for me is that there absolutely are fantastic games out there but sometimes they're the slightly niche communities um which can be very frustrating to get involved in but i think this is definitely a phenomenon one of the reasons moba games are so toxic is because anyone and everyone joins up to play them um but there's a fantastic um world war one simulator um where you play as like a soldier on a team of 50 people in a squad of five people f- fighting against the the um, allies or the or the enemy um, mm-hmm. depending and um, you are all on voice chat and it's all very competitive but I've heard nothing but fantastic things from my friends that play it with everyone kind of wanting to participate and I think there's something about the way it's a game with a niche community it's a slightly slower game it's a slightly smaller less popular game um and I think that that lends itself to having a more positive community. So I really encourage people to recognize that the games they enjoy probably exist out there and they probably do have some good communities, but it can be difficult to find them. Um, so having a bit of experience in the video gaming space, be it through consuming content created by other people or reading a bit about it online or you know reading reviews and stuff from, from good games journalists or whatever... Um, is probably a good place to start. I'd also, I guess, I'd also recognise that you know, online abuse is 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 um, serious, but it can also be something. I think you can just mute the person who's um, being an asshole, or you can just like tap out for a moment, or play a different game, or play a single player game instead of a multiplayer game, or whatever. Um, those are all options, and I think being able to apply that requires discipline sometimes to tell that person to shut up. Um, but we do often have the tools to. Um, manage or mitigate the kind of toxicity online that when video games let us mute people or whatever i have a i have a question about that map because there is a as i understand it a social community um outside of video games uh that involve video games and that's a that's a social media a platform called discord yes now i find it bizarre i'll be upfront about it um that <laughs> Because it's generationally for me, games weren't social games for games. Yes, yes. Um, and if I played a game, 
uh, it was unheard of in the majority of my life to play a game where there were real people playing. Mm. But it's bizarre to think that if there is a function for chat within the game, that you would then seek another way of creating community with those players that is essentially not moderated mm. as discord as i understand it's not a moderated platform yeah i understand if it was a real hobby style game the benefits of something like discord but what what happens anthropologically for us to seek out these other environments to talk about a common interest mm. well i think i just answered the question and what happens when the discord gets toxic mm. look it's a really interesting thought like when we go to an adjacent platform you said common interest and that's obviously a, a big thing that drives people to do this i think as well as the fact that some video games become really really fundamental parts of people's identity i think it's not just something you do for fun like maybe you really enjoy the storyline of the zelda franchise or whatever or the aesthetic or the art style or whatever and that becomes something you really resonate with and so you want to meet more like-minded people who also really enjoy zelda um i think that um you know it depends on the game of course single player games develop discord communities because people want to find people that they can share their love of that single player game with right um because if you're just playing by yourself that sometimes is less interesting than if you get to share your exploits share your experiences with a group of people um multiplayer games develop discords i think to create a little enclave in the in the social experience of anonymity where you can actually get to know people or develop something slightly more meaningful with them so if i were to join a league of legends discord or whatever i would hope that i'd be able to tell people in the discord hey i'm playing a game now anyone want to join me i'm looking for a good group of people who are all interested in you know having a nice time rather than having to deal with the the random chance of getting some anonymous asshole right um so for me i think that it's a way to try and develop a slightly more um connected or or um, rapport based relationship with people in these online spaces um now what happens when they get toxic well they always get toxic for some degree or another, right? Um, Well-moderated discords exist, but they're all moderated by the individuals who run that particular room, right? Like Discord lets you create a room and invite people into that room. Um, Discord itself does no moderation. So well-moderated discords rely on um, attentive and, and you know, energy-full um, creators. And that's a really difficult thing to maintain. Um, so most of the time, discords get questionable. Um, either you should leave the discord when that happens, or um, maybe, maybe create your own little enclave within the enclave by making your own discord and inviting the 10 people that you have the best relationship with yeah. on the discord would probably yeah. be my best recommendation in that situation. None of which is easy. I recognize that, but it's probably important sometimes. I ask about discord because I understand it can be really toxic mm. by the same token um there are a bunch of stories going around now where people have talked about playing a game creating a friendship and there's marriages coming out of these sorts of communities so in a lot of ways it's it's um yes it's about a game or games but it seems to be a surrogate for particularly during the pandemic as you pointed out for other needs in life and I don't think that's necessarily good or bad. Um, I think it just is. I think it's a new normal yeah. that particularly younger people, and, and I would say even people younger than you, Matt, mm. see this as real interaction. Um, the concern I have as a psychologist is in the fact that any real interaction has real impacts on thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Mm. 
So, you know, if you play along really nicely with somebody and you don't have all the social cues you normally have, they're having a bad day and they flame you. Mm. Um, you know, that's like a, a slap of cold water in the face for some people, which would be resolved differently yeah. if it was in real life. And the one thing I maintain when I talk to people about online behavior is that if you were playing a game in time zone, would you react the same way as you would online? Yeah. Because essentially it's the same thing for the same purpose um, and there should be a degree of self-monitoring. What I notice in the online community is that there are people that are more invested in it than others and there are people that are more disinhibited. But I also think there are people that go there to specifically use the chat function yeah. to antagonise not about the game, but about the real world. Mm, mm. And in that regard, I think that those people are um, probably some of the saddest and most lonely and, and insecure people you, you'd find in society. And the game gives them the capacity through anonymity to test boundaries in a way that would get them shunned anywhere else. And they get shunned in the games, but... Um, you know, there's always somebody else to listen in a global yeah. chat. Yeah, it doesn't matter sense. in the same way, yeah. exactly. And it also brings people together. If you get one person with a crackpot opinion in a big enough community, that opinion will be mirrored by someone else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, listeners, thank you so much for our uh, excursion into the uh, the tribes in online communities. Mm-hmm. Um Keep an eye out for user Matt. We're not going to ask his game handle uh, for fear that you all jump online and you know shoot him with arrows and call him nasty names. That's right. Uh, or worse still, that this lovely, delightful, well-bred individual that I call my co-host is actually a troll online. <laughs> um, I will admit to perhaps from time to time, you know, even giving into my baser emotions mm. during some competitive gaming. Mm. But uh, we understand that when you switch that device off, you're still a living, breathing human and have to consider the world that way. Guys, we'll be back next week with more really exciting and fun topics. Um, And I'd like to thank you again for listening to If I Only Knew. Thanks very much, everyone. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a Better Pod Group production with special thanks to our researcher, Nicola Binks, executive producer, Matt Blanche, the providers of our theme song with credits that are in our bio, and of course, you, the listener. It's important to remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Whilst there are therapeutic themes discussed, in no way is this podcast considered treatment, and in the event you're in a psychological emergency, please reach out in whatever way you can through 000 or Lifeline 13 11 14. It's important to remember that the discussion is for entertainment purposes, and the opinions voiced by podcast hosts are theirs and theirs alone. Any reference to copyright or copywritten material is, of course, the copyright of the copyright owner and or relevant corporate entities. Thank you for listening to Bed Pod Group Productions and tune in to some of our other excellent pod productions on this network.